1: This is the Successful Life, it's Cory Barrier, yeah come learn with me, take you down the path of our journey, this is the Successful Life, it's, it's time to take what you learned, apply it to your life, it's your turn, to live a successful life, you are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast, 3, 2,
0: Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host Corey Barrier, and I am here with Reno. And I, of course, didn't get the last name, but that's okay. Reno, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm good. Hello, how are you? Good. So Reno is from Berlin, Germany. Ber- yeah. So it's uh, so it's is it Sunday at six o'clock there?
2: No, no. It's yeah Sunday at six o'clock evening. Yeah.
0: Okay. 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 Right. So there's about a little about. Five or six hours ahead Six hours ahead of you. Cool. So Reno uh, is a photographer. Um, interestingly, he actually has only been shooting for, he just informed me for about a year and a half, which is pretty impressive because if you go to his Instagram, he's got some pretty unique photos on there with people that have, you know, that, that are pretty well known, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, what got you into photography, Reno?
2: Well, um, actually, a few years ago, I, I got into with some buddies of mine into a fashion label, and uh, since we kind of had to promote this fashion label, the little streetwear local fashion label, we had to do some photos. So, I, I like looked up some video tutorials on how to shoot, and then bought like my little small uh, camera that like. A, to be a little bit more professionally. And then from there on, the, the fashion label didn't really work out, but I, I somehow gasped this this passion for like taking pictures a certain way. And then I was lucky that I still had some of those models back then that that were open to, okay, I, I got it. I wanna try new stuff, new poses, new lighting, you know, give it all a, a look. I was really into the boudoir still where you like, Emphasize the, the body the play with light and shadow and stuff and then i don't know from there on it was just a train running by itself pretty much
0: that's pretty interesting um you know obviously it caught my eye because i i have tattoos my wife has has tattoos um but when when reno spe- when reno says it's uh he he does boudoir let me can you go ahead and explain to folks what exactly that means? Because I don't really know if the, yeah, you know, I know what it is because my wife is a photographer, but I don't know if most people know exactly what that is.
2: Well, as far as I know, you might want to correct me about it. It comes from the French, and boudoir means the dressing room or the dresser where you change. So it was always like where a certain person or like while you're in, your private area private part all by yourself you as a photographer or when it started the painter gave you like an insight in that person's private area where the person gave itself like really open really free that's usually why it's all mostly with like lingerie or less clothing and you want to emphasize that the whole female body, or mostly female bodies. Sure, there are some male versions too, but and then speak with the curves of the body. Try to emphasize it with the light and shadow, and from there on, like give it like a little sneak peek kind of view or uh, into the the world, the private world of this person, this model in the
0: picture. Exactly. So you know. So essentially, you know you know boudoir could even be you know to to build on what you said could be even fully unclothed you know could be, could be yeah sure i mean that's i i think that's just as common as being in lingerie if not more almost common um a be. lot of you know a lot of women uh a lot of women that my wife shoots she she does primarily weddings and so the 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 wives will do a boudoir for their husband and so that's biggest reason i know about it but what you're so unique about yours again is that you know you've got women on there that i assume they are mostly models and they're i mean like there's not one or two tattoos like they're fucking covered in tattoos which is pretty unique so like so the okay so you had a is it is it safe to assume the other your fashion label was like a lingerie type thing no, actually
2: it was more street style, so I didn't really have to do anything with this boudoir kind of style. It was just that I was able to use or to, to train with those models because they're, most of them are really open-minded and open with their bodies. And the, the tattoo part came just by itself because most of them were just inked and tattooed. And then I, I just took it up from there. And then this, I wanted to emphasize that because usually in the boudoir scene, it goes more about the clean body, so there are not that many tattooed people on it because you wanna show the pure skin and the pure body style. And then I was like more into going exactly the opposite. I wanted to emphasize that the tattoos and all the ink on that body, on the canvas, the body as a canvas, shows like a, a story by itself and like a, I wanted to emphasize that's why I really do a lot in the post editing on emphasizing the tattoos, like a redraw of most of the tattoos, giving them more texture, more structure to to really tell the stories of those people's bodies with the ink on it as well.
0: That's wild, dude! Like, so you know, what? Who was your? Um, h- how did you get your first person? Because, you know, I. I can only fathom that it's a bit challenging as a male, not now, because people know who you are, but going into this, that's gotta be a tough sale, right? If you, uh, you, it sounds like you had a bit of a, a, a way in, but somebody just starting out, like if let's just say me, for example, who I don't do photography, if I wanted to start out doing photography, this certainly would not be the best place to probably start because the likeliness of having as much success as you've had is not very good because you got to, I mean, you're a photographer. You have to be able to trust that person, especially in the line of work that you're in, because you're having uh, ladies primarily expose their bodies in front of you and being very vulnerable. And yes. what comes with that is gotta be a lot of trust. Yeah. Well, um, I was lucky. Like I
2: said earlier that um, that the first few models that I worked with there they were open by themselves. I, I didn't really have to tell them or give them any uh, closure about it because it was just their nature of being like, not really a nudist, but, but really open with their body. So for me, it was like really a, a good way to start and, and train. And after that, it's mostly that what I experienced, especially on the platform like Instagram, it's all about like what people say about you and how they talk about you or like how people see you. And then from there on, people following them, other models, and actually half of the people I shoot aren't even real models. They're just doing it for fun, or like to to give it their life a little extra edge. After most of them work like in, in healthcare or something like really,
0: <laughs> really
2: other than, than than that. And then it's just it's just like for them when they get home and when they do stuff like it. For instance, some do it for their husbands and partners and some do it just for themselves to feel like something else after hard days work. And then from there on, I just started to shoot with some or took pictures of some people, some girls. And after that, friends of them, people that followed them, they were like, Oh, I saw you shot this and this person. I, I feel you. I, I like your work a lot. Would you shoot with me? And then from there on, it's just like a wave catching on. And then I, Right now I'm just surfing it, i guess dude so. i mean it's
0: it's it's a lot of fun I'm sure so you sure it's a lot of fun um just out of curiosity how long do you how long are your how long are your boudoir shoots let's just say with with Jill because I see Jill on there a lot right you' you've got lots of pictures of jill um uh and then you've also got a lot of pictures i noticed of Katrina right, so those yeah. two I feel like you've got a lot of pictures of what um how long do you spend with a shoot when you do a shoot with them how long do you typically
2: well it really depends on on the person like Jill for instance she's really into this business and this style of uh picture taking a a long time so she's really professional about it so she knows what she wants to present she knows how to present her body she's confident with it so it goes really fast like we take like 20-30 minutes for like a one set and then you go up to the next and then for instance, uh, I did her calendar. I shot her calendar last year, and we took just four hours shooting a whole calendar, which was really amazing for, like, taking 12 different scenes in, in different locations. We had, like, this uh, studio that we rented. So if if you're also... The longer you work with somebody, you exactly know how to get them, how to set your equipment up to, to be at the right shop at the right time. And I'm actually... A, not even the photographer that takes like three, four hundred pictures of one set. I have like my thirty, fifty pictures tops when it comes to one set. And then it's gotta be in there. I don't I'm not like shooting instantly like flashing it all the time. So and then with some other people that are like new more new to this business, sure you gotta take your time, you maybe like half an hour, 45 minutes for one set and but in the main part I barely shoot longer than three hours straight because I I feel like after this time the people get sort of exhausted and and tired of of this this style and then it's better to like shoot another day for another two three hours than to have like an eight or nine hours I, I don't even think myself I could hold up that long to to be focused and and creative at this time you know
0: Yeah, I guess that does make sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I, and you know, you said something super important. You said, you know, as more experienced people that you shoot with, you know, it does make it easier because they do know exactly how to turn their head. They know how to look at you and they, you know, it's, my wife talks about it all the time, you know, when she ever, when she shoots models with, with, if, if a model is getting married, she, I mean, it's, it's so much easier for her to shoot that person than it is trying to shoot somebody that's never been shot, you know, that's never been, uh, in front of a camera, so to speak. So, um, do you usually, so do you usually rent a studio? Is that where you, uh, or do you have a studio? How does that work? Um, well, I, I
2: prepared some, some home studio style in myself. I feel like it backdrop in different colors. I have an old apartment, like in, Berlin, you have a lot of old buildings. There are like high hip ceilings. And, and so I use some of my home for like, especially when I have like new models, I start off from there because it's easier. It's more, okay, intimate, and relaxing. They have a place where they can change and stuff. So it's easier. And usually starting in front of a backdrop, it's easier because you're focusing on the person. You don't have to deal with so much. Okay, how's the lighting of the bag? How's the arrangement and stuff? It's easier for them to get like warmed up. But sometimes I just go to the people themselves if they they have a nice place at home. and Because I think you always find a location to work with. As long as the, the most important part that I think in the shot is always that the, the person itself feels embraced of themselves and feels uh, strong with themselves about their body and their appearance, and, you know. And then the rest is just sort of like a snapshot of, of that moment they, they, they feel. And then, so, but I sometimes, you, you know, you rent a studio as well, if, it, if it's really a longer s- series of shots that you want to accomplish, but yeah, depends on the, the model, I guess.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Because I guess if you, you know, if you have a, um, if you have a subject that is not comfortable, you can see, you can tell they're not comfortable. Absolutely. You see it in the picture right away. Yeah. And there's nothing you could, you know, there's no way, you know, you can't really Photoshop somebody's, you know, no. it's, it's it's interesting because it could be, it could be just a slight, you know, uh, it's really incongruency is really what it's called, uh, where, you know, they're trying to look one way and their, their brain is somewhere else. Hmm. So, uh, so this is, so is this like, has this turned into like your... Is this what you do? It doesn't sound like this is like your job. Um, right now it
2: is not, but I see myself more and more get into it I, right like in the first year, I did a lot of TFP. shoots, like "Time for Picture," it's called, where like you take the pictures, the model doesn't get a doesn't get paid by money. they get paid by the pictures that you take. so it's usually a, a starting point for starting models as well as starting photographers. To get into the business to see all of those. But right now, I see myself as more and more. I have like regulars that I work with that they use the pictures for other than Instagram, other platforms, or they do a calendar, for example. And I get paid obviously for stuff that is not just for promotion. And I see myself more and more getting into it. But I'm actually a, a DJ from way back in the mid 90s. And um, I'm a uh, Ended up as a sound engineer and work in a lot of events and club locations to do all stuff like this. But I want to get more out of this nightlife kind of lifestyle and then get more into this creative part now that I'm doing.
0: So, um, okay, so, you, you were, so you've DJed since the 90s. And what kind, like when you say you DJ, can you, can you go in a little bit more detail on that? And you can say whatever you well, want to on here. Well, I started
2: as a hip-hop R&B DJ back in the 90s because way back then I started to DJ with vinyl, so I had two choices to go. Either go electronic music style, house, techno, which is really big in Berlin, or you could start with the hip-hop R&B stuff. And since all my friends were more into hip-hop R&B urban music, I thought, okay, that's more like a, a common platform to start on, and I started on DJs and birthday parties, little bars, you know, just some events. And then um, I got more and more into the, the bar scene from where Alf I started and then DJ and, and clubs. And I got myself pretty quite a name back in the time. And then now I do more like corporate events and I, I shifted my style to more open music. I do a lot of soul classics. I do a lot of funk, which are like the urban kind of style of music or the, the urgent original music that the 90s hop R&B tracks were based on. And then right now I do a lot of, uh, I'm a resident at a club in Berlin where I do actually everything but urban music and hip hop I do Latin music. I do uh, a little dance, kind of top 40 charts music, whatever the, the crowd wants, because I'm, I'm resident on the second floor of the Pearl Club, it's called in Berlin. So, which is nice, which is is still one of my passions from back in the days. But I see myself now getting older that working every night in the club is not not really my my future anymore. So I I see myself more with the creative part about taking pictures and I feel more happy about when I do this stuff now than DJing, which is still nice and still my passion, I won't deny it. And I'm probably still gonna DJ till I die for a little bit just to keep it spinning but
0: time changes so it does yourself i guess yeah for sure so um you know i used to i remember back in the day i would go i would listen to like sasha and and john digweed and paul oakenfold and i know you know those names yeah um God, it was such a fun time. That was a, that was I. but I did not know, I did not know that Berlin was such a big, like, um, house slash, didn't didn't you say like house and.
2: Yeah, house electronic, especially electronic music itself, like, especially like a lot of techno was really big in in, in Berlin, especially in the 90s and still is. We have actually a really big underground techno electronic scene, minimalistic scene. Which is really, really big, and then
0: like, what do you mean? Can you delve into that? What do you mean by that? Well, like, Under, we when, cl- when you say underground well, and minimalistic, what do you mean?
2: That, well, um, it's it's not like the the regular. It's, it's not like Avicii or like David Guetta music that they play. Like, which would be like the house that I guess or electronic like music that people regular people know about. Over here, they're really more unknown artists and and really a little bit stronger, a little bit tougher from the sound kind of like. And the clubs over here, the the rave clubs, they they start, for instance, on uh, Friday night and they don't close till Sunday evening. So they go through all the time. But that's that's really common for some of the bigger clubs. And and, then they do like an after hour on Sunday at 12 noon which is like crazy for, for other people coming from other clubs. You go to this one techno club and then you do an after hour during the whole Sunday day time. So wow. that's really, really, a really big scene in Berlin, which I'm not really a part of. It's it's I, I can h- listen to this kind of music for a while, but I couldn't hold on for like a whole weekend in those dark places mostly. And, and, really <laughs> and we also have like, for instance, in Berlin is really common for like this a huge swinger electronic techno scene where like you go to clubs, one's called KitKat where it's more like in sort of like the seventies with open love and everyone loves each other and, you know, but with techno music. So it's, it's a world for its own with a lot of fetishes and stuff. So there's really, really, that's what I mean. with kind of underground. It's, it's not like what people do or people go to like they're on the regular basis or regular, with their so, friends, I guess, if you
0: want. So, like, do you have to know somebody to to, 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 to find out where these particular underground places are? Uh, I mean, you know, I remember back I in mean, the day the raves, you had to know somebody to know where the rave was.
2: No, I mean, most of the the, the clubs, they, they, they have regular addresses. That you go there and you can wait in line. Some are probably really strict on the doors for having a certain type of people in their clubs. You got to like i said like you have to be a model to do this stuff you got to be a certain person to go to this kind of rave and i guess the bouncers they they get they have a hand or an eye for what they see is fits the 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 scene inside because they don't want to be like a tourist place it's more like you got to be you got to feel this too and then some sto- uh, places even they have a name but you you walk by and there's not a sign of the door or something or not a number you got to know the door so Somehow, you have to know someone already been there before to know where it is exactly. But yeah, since I'm not too much or not too deep into the scene, I, I probably don't even know what's going on behind some of those doors and haven't seen some of those doors myself. So
0: that's crazy.
2: It's a really interesting scene, though, for, for people that are interested in Berlin, I
0: guess. I bet. I bet I yeah that's that's wild. I don't even know if they have places. I'm sure they maybe they do have places like that here in the U.S. I don't know, but Probably, um, I guess New York and San Francisco for sure do have some of those. For sure, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. So, with, so how often do you um, how often do you shoot these boudoirs? This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by Housecall Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes.
2: well it really depends on 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 the time i have myself and and also how people are interacting right now since this uh convent 19 thing is going on sure people are like a little more reserved and then stay at home a lot and you try to like okay keep give everyone their space but before that it's it's not really a, a where you can say, okay, every month I have like four or five people. Sometimes the month is packed because everyone is like really open to do new stuff. And sometimes you have a month where like, like for instance, Jill, I do a regular work with her regularly. So we see each other at least twice a month Yeah, because I do stuff for Instagram for her, but I do also stuff for her on other platforms where she hires me as a photographer. And I have some other models as well, or some other girls as well that that hire me for not my ink boudoir kind of style but for other stuff as a regular photographer for pictures they need for their platforms they're on to have content going on there every month sure but it's hard to tell it's not right now there's not really a, a number you can say every month but i guess it will eventually come more and more to it where you have like every weekend for instance or right now i do actually shoot more during the week since i dj on the weekend so it's, I'm, I'm more exhausted on the weekend that really feel
0: like i guess that makes sense now do you usually do you does it matter what time of day that you do the boudoir i mean unless as long as it's inside i guess it makes no difference
2: it it doesn't really matter i mean sometimes you want to have a little sunlight or daylight to, to get certain type of shots but on the other hand you can work that's what i said like Same with the locations, same with the time. You can always find a shot that works out. You know, you just got to adjust to what what you have. That's what I like about it, because not every shot is the same thing. You cannot say, okay, you you have like a list of things you're going to run down. You got to work with what's around you. You got to work with a person that's in the scene, because some shots work with some girls in, in some certain locations, but it doesn't have to mean that it works the same way with another girl. It's not like... You cannot do it like step by step with everyone. You gotta just feel the, the, the area, feel the person, feel the mood that's going on right now and, and just try to capture it. That's why I said it's more like a snapshot kind of feeling you wanna create. Because too much emphasis on like how they pose, how they do stuff, it's always gonna be way too artificial in the, in the end, in the picture of the look. So it has to be, that's why I said you gotta feel it, the girls gotta feel themselves to present their feeling that I'm just gonna capture at that moment. That's yeah. actually what I think are the best pictures turning out in the end.
0: And now do you um I I forget, uh, I I don't remember if I noticed or not, but do you do you usually just shoot one girl at a time or is there Um I did a few girls on
2: girls how they called and, and I did a couple shoot where where they, they asked me whether it's be okay if the 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 boyfriend is also in the shot. Um, I tried a few times, but I, I right now I feel myself it's it's sometimes really overwhelming or difficult to get two people at, at the right mood and the right position at the same time because they got to click somehow. You cannot put two people together in this certain type of pictures where because they they have to have a feeling about themselves and together to work in the picture, you know. So. If it's like for instance two friends, girlfriends that work together, that works out usually fine because they know each other. And then also it's since I not I didn't do it myself, but it just turned out like this. I shoot a lot of girls that are enhanced or that have work done on themselves, not just with the tattoos, but with the bodies. So it's um also really difficult to have because none of those are alike, even worse more different than the, i guess regular people so you got to work out some uh, some girls that are enhanced but not on the same level for instance and so you don't want to give one person the feeling that she's like in the shadow of the other person because oh. they're not not looking alike the same so i i think it's even more difficult in the hand enhanced world than in in, in girls that are looking naturally regularly because then it's more like the nature has Their own flaws, and and you know that it doesn't look like it. it Never, no one looks alike, you know. But I guess with people being enhanced and having work done on themselves, it's this artificial kind of look they have on themselves. It's it's you kind of like when you look at it, it feels like they're more different if if they worked on themselves. That's what I feel or like. I think when it comes to taking
0: pictures, but I I tried it a few times yeah I could totally see how if you had someone that was even mostly natural or or hell even partially natural opposed to someone who has had work done in multiple areas, I can now that you've now that you've painted that picture, I can understand why there would be you know some. Potentially, as you said, kind of follow in the or they feel like they're in the shadow of the person who's had a lot of work. Right. It makes total yeah. sense. Um, where, you know, where when you say have a lot of work done or you mean, I mean, breast augmentation, that's obvious. Where yeah. else are these people? Where else are these women having work done?
2: Well, um like breast enhancement, are there like the most common thing? I mean, over here now in Germany, I don't know whether it's the same in the U S but it's, it used to be like really a really, a bad thing if, or like people talked about people having done breasts and, and enhancements. And right now over here, it's more like being a common thing now. Like everyone does it like the, the, the regular girl from next door does it because she just didn't feel well in her body. And way back, I guess, it was more like, okay, you did it because you had to do it for work, for instance, if you're in the adult industry or some other stuff, you did, did stuff like that to get more work done, uh, work uh, to work for. And then right now, that's why I'm trying to take even more pictures of those people, not even just only being tattooed, but also being ahead. Because I think even though they did do stuff on themselves or did do work on themselves, they still have a certain look that is obviously not as natural as a regular person is, but still a beauty kind of look to themselves. I mean, achieving what they were thinking or looking for to look like. And then I'm just trying to take the show the world that those women still are beautiful. I guess for some people, they are not because they did do so much thing, but I think we have to be more open about that not everyone wants to look like they they started to look like. You gotta be open to it, okay, to accept that some people just wanna have a certain look and it's totally fine to have that certain look. I mean, you you like it, you don't like it, it's totally up to you, I guess, but you still gotta be open to accept those people, how they are looking right now and how they feel even more beautiful looking like this.
0: Yeah, for sure so you know you mentioned the what but you yeah made. but
2: getting back no no but getting back to your answer uh question about like what else they they do uh you know filling up their lips is usually a, a, a common thing they do right now with like uh they some do uh, botox and their uh filler hat and, and uh, filler uh, botox you know, so face stuff on, cheeks face stuff um, butt implants are getting now more interest or not not really implants a lot of people they i don't know really how it works, but you kind of you beef up your body to get more fat and then they subtract the fat from your waist and put it in the butt there's some certain surgeries. This is getting more common now to get this like really peachy kind of butt look interesting to get yeah that that that's actually I've seen that being done by. On a few models that I work with now, so um, those are like the the new things coming. But I guess facial enhancement, like nose job, you know, yeah, it,
0: which that, I that, think that, is that, fairly normal. Pretty regular now, yeah, yeah. So let's go back for a second. So, uh, okay, so when you say they beef, uh, can you? Uh, is it okay if you were to tell me some of some about it? So, do people care if, if 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 other people know they've had work done? I'm guessing the people that you shoot could care less.
2: Well, I mean, it really depends on the person. Some people, they're like they want to do it to feel better but they don't want to say exactly what what exactly all they have done because they, didn't. like I said society right now is still pointing the fingers on those people and you don't want to expose yourself too much on what you did, but you know, uh, obviously some people did do some stuff to them and the, the most obvious thing like breast implants, they're easy to tell most of the time because they're, they're even bigger. I mean, there are some jobs that are done that, that look really naturally, depending on where you put the implants above or below the, the muscle, and then giving a certain look. And some girls, they, they love to look where it looks like a ball, you know, really
0: up front, which well, is so I, it's okay. Yeah, so my question, I guess, is this is the part I've never really understood. Why a woman would have breast implants so their breast looks natural. I don't really understand that because well, the well, whole point actually, is to make them look bigger and to look exactly. Yeah, but,
2: but some some girls are more into they they want to have like for instance some girls they start with an A cup size and they want to have like a C or sometimes it's it's like an addiction as well. Like if you want to go for a C cup, you usually go for a D cup. That's what I, I because. Me, myself, like when I work with those models, we, we talk about stuff and I feel really interested on in, in, in why they did stuff to, to understand why they feel now more pretty, to even maybe get it into the picture or into the scene to emphasize this as well. But but usually like when you start with an A cup, you wanna have a C, you end up with a D. And then some other girls, they, they have like, for instance, a C cup and they go for even higher numbers. And most of the time, Girls starting with bigger breasts, they do exaggerate a lot. And then and, and they don't see the end of the, the tunnel. They, they want to just get it bigger. And then they, they do the second job, the third job sometimes. Um, and you, you kind of fall into this addiction. Absolutely. Get, get into it. And then also, depending on like your kind of work, because I do shoot a lot of girls which are working in the adult industry or cam girls. So that was good. I mean, they, they oh, obviously have a d- different kind of view on on on, on their body and, and see it more like an sort of investment, I guess, as well. For as, sure.
0: As,
2: as see as a, I mean, they still feel pretty about themselves, don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, they all have this certain look, but I think subconsciously, at least, they, they have this kind of thing, okay, if I do stuff like this, this will give me more work in this kind of area or this kind of area. So... And that's I mean, true. In the end, you just got to be happy with yourself. And if that's what you are most happy about when you look like it, I guess. That's then what I say you sh- got to be open to it. The society's got to be open to it to accept those people like they that's feel tr- most comfortable.
0: That's true. And I think society's coming around. Uh, you know, we've come, along, we've come a long more ways. Yeah. Um, so you hit on something that I was absolutely going to ask you. You now mentioned it twice. You said, you mentioned the adult industry and I didn't even think about that. I don't know why I didn't think about that when I saw the pictures, because it should have been my first thought, I think. But so do the majority of the people that you shoot, are they in the adult industry? And if so, how, and I don't don't want you to mention any names of course, but just, uh, you know, just uh, do you have most of them? Are they in that industry? And and if so, or is it is it primarily, is what is it?
2: Well, I mean, um, not most. I have like a few that, that are really working in the adult industry. But um, nowadays, I guess it's hard to differentiate really to say, okay, they're only in the adult, that they're an adult actress. Because nowadays, a lot of girls, just regular girls next door, they start off as a cam girl. It's easy way to make money, I guess, for uh if you feel happy with your body and you know, you have the certain distance to people, you, you physically never see those people. It's all just virtual.
0: And so then, when you uh, say a cam, a cam girl, what do you mean? I don't really know how that works.
2: Well, I mean, those girls, they, they sit at home in their lingerie or undress in front of the camera, webcam. And then they're on certain platforms where customers have to like uh, lock in and then pay certain fees to see a person. And then you go, if you like a webcam girl that you're looking at, when she has her open chat, you can ask her for a private chat, which is obviously more expensive because she's just interacting with you. And then depending on the girl and what you're interested in, you can ask her to do certain stuff, talk to you about stuff, show her body, do like a striptease. It It's really, there's not really a, a, a limit there. If anything that's virtually possible that you can do via camera you can do and then I see like like I said a lot of girls they start off with this because it's really easy to make money with yourself and your body at, at your home I mean everyone's got a laptop a webcam it's, it's yeah. easy set up you know uh, it's it's not that much money you have to invest to get started and then I see though that a lot of girls use this webcam girl business as a stepstone stone to get into adult industry, to get an adult access, you know, because it's like from there on you just do more stuff and then you interact obviously with other persons, maybe start off with a girl girl shoot, go to a girl boy shoot. And then I've seen a lot of girls that still are in the adult industry and do webcam girl or cam girl action side to earn money in between adult shots. Because, I mean, you don't shoot adult videos every day. It's, yeah, I, like I don't it know. How to, I,
0: don't, I don't know how the hell. I don't know how often they shoot. How often do they shoot? Well, well I guess it really depends on,
2: on the, the the girls themselves, uh, how deep into the business they are. I mean, newcomers, they probably have to shoot more often to get more jobs. And then the, the more famous you get or the, the more attracted you get by other customers. And then if the, the Industry sees okay, you're really a, a star in the scene. I guess you don't have to work that often because you get paid way better. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge industry, and I me myself, I'm I'm I know a few people that work there. I know a few people that work behind the scenes. So I have a few glimpses inside, but I'm not really involved too much with it, other than that I shoot those girls privately or for Instagram for their platform.
0: Sure, that's wild. Um... Yeah, that's super wild. And I think most people would think, um, I think if, you know, the people listening to this would think, gosh, I bet that guy is the luckiest dude on the planet if he's shooting these girls that are potentially in the uh, adult industry or not, but they're practically naked. I think a lot of people may think that maybe there's more to your job than just doing the photography, but I want people to understand the difference in like, this is something you're doing as uh, uh, at professionally. This is not something that's like um, I'm trying to figure out a way to say it. Like, like you're not involved with any of these people. No, not at all. And, and probably would never be involved with them because, no. because it's, it's a job, it's, it's a, it's a passion, it's a, it's a profession for you. It's a
2: profession, it's a reputation, Uh, most, uh, most things, that's, that's, I guess, why I get so many bookings right now uh, over Instagram, because, like I said earlier, um, most of the girls that I work with now, or the new ones I work with, they get, like, the information from other girls they know about, they say, okay, you shot with her, she told me you were, I see your work is really nice. She said she was really comfortable with you. And that's especially in this kind of photography, it's the key to have like a really open and really, uh, relaxed situation going on because it's so intimate Yeah, the parts that, that, that I shoot with. And, uh, for me, it's really, really important that the, the girl, the model feels really, really, uh, relaxed and, and confident about everything going on. And for me, At that moment, actually, I mean, I get a lot of even buddies of mine or friends of mine saying, oh, man, you got to bang so many girls while you do it. But the thing is, while I'm in this kind of mode of being a photographer with those girls, everything in front of me is asexual. I don't have any feeling about anything going on other than getting the nice or the right shot at the right time with the right mood coming over into the lens and for the viewers to see in the end. But. You got to really get everything else, or automatically, and, and for me, myself, I can only speak for myself, but for me, everything else just blends out. I blank out, and I just have this tunnel vision of, okay, I got to have this shot, I have this thing. I'm into it, and then that's about it, and then after that, everyone goes their ways. I mean, some girls that I work more often with, I'm sure you start some sort of franchise or you get, get along really easy, but not really that I privately myself meet those girls at all. I mean, you meet up for the shot for the session that you planning on. And then after that, that's it. You sure have some contact about, okay. Talking about post-production about the pictures they're going to take. Some have like some want to have something else changed in the pictures, or we got to figure out what pictures to take in the beginning, you know, but other than that, I, I barely have, like I have maybe a handful of girls that, that I started to be friends with now and then sometimes you see each other if they're living in the same city because most of the girls that I shoot with, they are not even from Berlin. But, oh, like, really? Instance, your, Katerina, you mentioned earlier, she's from Vienna, which is like way, it's a different country, Vienna, Austria. So Jill, I, I'm lucky because she just lives pretty much around the corner. That's why we work a lot. But other girls that I shoot with, are from all over Germany and sometimes even other countries.
0: Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that that makes it even, it really makes you more, even more unique knowing that because I, I didn't know that people flew in from different countries uh, to have you shoot them. You kind of feel like you've kind of, I mean, this is kind of pretty cool that you've, been able to accomplish what you have in in such a short amount of time yeah. starting out teaching yourself right you said i think yeah. you said earlier you you watched some how how did you how yeah how did you learn what was the first thing that you did well i mean obviously i, I the first thing i
2: bought myself a a better camera i wouldn't say a high class camera but a good mid camera what, to start out with you know a nikon a d5300 So it's a camera to start off with. You can adjust some stuff. I tried out with a few, I had obviously first, my first lens was the standard lens included and it was a zoom lens and I myself, for people that maybe not from this kind of thing, you have two kinds of lenses. You have the prime lenses where the focal length, the the kind of viewpoint you have is fixed and then you have the zoom lenses where you can change the the angle of the view and how much part of the picture you take in. And I really early in my time when I started off with this, I felt more comfortable with prime lenses where you have just one focal length, whereas 35 millimeter was my, where it still is my go-to focal length for the, the type of view I'm taking, just the most natural for me. And then I just started taking pictures. And in the beginning, actually, it was like you tried to say earlier, it was really difficult for a fashion label, we did to get some girls to to do some photoshoots because it's all kind of creepy. Okay, there's the guy asking, hey, you want to take some pictures for my fashion label? <laughs> I mean, it's me myself, I would feel creepy to listen to this. But in the end, it turned out that some girls felt happy with it. And then also, like, Instagram is this kind of really interesting platform where people see you and then they immediately interact with you, not even knowing you yourself, but just because of the, the pictures they see this, work that you see way back with the fashion label but now with the, the photography as well and then it all comes to, to i guess the, the most natural way to interact and then yeah I, I taught myself more and more and then i was lucky to work with some models from the fashion label to just try out different lenses different views then i looked up some more video tutorials i even did like a workshop class here in the Berlin city and some uh, photography store that, that does some workshops to, to get to know. Like I bought myself a, a better camera. I went to Sony, bought the R 2 Is that the mirrorless? Yes. The mirrorless. Exactly. So, um, I get a high resolution a better autofocus and, and stuff like this. I bought a really, really good lens the, the 35 millimeter, uh, prime lens and, um, and after that, it's just like every shooting session right now even is still training. You learn and learn the more you shoot. Like, for instance, when I look at the beginning of my Instagram feed or profile, it's a way different style of where I'm right now. Not only by taking pictures, also the post-production I do. You know, you learn a lot. You do a lot of stuff. And then, yeah, right now, and that's why I said earlier, I, I, not right now, I still can't consider myself too much a photographer because... Most of the stuff I also do is just do it by heart. I'm not taking too much of, okay, now I have this distance to this person. I have to have this kind of focal length to have this kind of thing. That's too much technical stuff I don't think about. I I hold up the camera. I have a certain look. That's why I said I have this tunnel vision. I have this view on certain things, try to capture it, and then some stuff you take pictures of, obviously, you don't get right the first time. Some you can Correct? And post-production, some just don't turn out like you wanted them to be, like your vision in your mind was, your head was, but that, like I said, it's all training. You just got to keep on going, keep on going, and then
0: evolve, and then, and, and, yeah. Get well, yourself- you the- <laughs> so I wanted to, so you said, you mentioned, you know, it's always kind of a practice, but if you think about your doctor's office, it's a medical yeah. practice. That means they're practicing medicine on human yeah. I mean on human beings it's a medical practice it's just interesting to me I wonder how many people really think about what that means but it's the same exact thing
2: yeah
0: it's a practice yeah. I mean um so <clears throat> I was just gonna ask you something um you mentioned that when you go in you don't have to think about a whole lot you just take the shot there's something to be said for that. My wife is very much so the same way. Um, she's extremely creative and extremely she just knows how to take the shot. And yeah. and, and, and with no she she taught herself very similar to you. Um you know, so no formal education um as far as in photography. And so it, I think you either really have it or or it takes a long time to get it. It's kind of like sales. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. to teach somebody yeah. how to be a good salesperson. Um, and it's kind of like I think if like photography or any kind of artistic uh, outlet, you have to. You either have an eye for it or you don't. It's kind of yeah. what I how I, I feel about it. Anyway, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what do you do? In your spare time, what do you do? What do you do for like for yourself? Well,
2: uh, I guess there it's not actually that much spare time that I have since I I work on the weekends and I I have like two kind of worlds I live in because being a DJ, you work at night, you you're mostly exhausted at the day, so the whole weekend really goes by because I work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so Sunday is more like a day. You just gotta recharge your batteries and then. You barely do anything. I I feel less creative even on those days. So I don't do a lot of work with photography on those days if I don't really have to. And then during the week, I do like some sound technician kind of work. And then then I do maybe some photo shoots. I have to edit a lot of pictures. And then, like I said, sometimes you get the edit done real fast because the, the model or your customer is really pleased with what you do. But sometimes, you know, they have a certain, look on stuff and they want to have it done their way. And then you just have to meet somewhere because me, myself, sure. I have my own style, which evolved over the time. Now with like how my pictures look, how the post-production looks, you know, giving it a certain look. So people, sometimes people even they see pictures without even my, my tag on it and they know, okay, that's a picture that I took because it's this kind of way it looks, how it's edited. So, um, you know, you sometimes just have to meet halfway with your your models to, to get the look. If they have a certain look, they wanna achieve themselves. But most of the girls that hire me or that wanna work with me, they are really pleased with the look that I have. So I, I just give them what I feel looks good in my opinion and they are actually really happy with it. But it's still a lot of work, you know, sometimes you spend between 30, and 45 minutes on one picture, editing one picture. Because like I said earlier, with, uh, I redraw the tattoos to give it more a little more depth. And then obviously none of those girls or most of the girls I work with, they're not like supermodels. And even supermodels, they have like a, a person that does to get rid of all the zits, for instance, or something like unclean ha- skin they have. I mostly have to do this stuff in post-production, which takes a lot of time, you know, get it all a little bit cleaned up get like little quirks out of the way because depending on the position the girls do, some of the muscles, they they, they give like a certain, not really good looking look on the person. So you do like a little tricks in post-production to get like some curves around again, you know, and then and so the, the, the people afterwards look at the picture because it's like, I feel myself more like, less than the photographer, more like a painter to get like a certain look, to achieve a certain look in the pictures for the, for the women. And, um, I guess that's why I get hired or asked that much because a lot of girls, they just want to have this look on, on the picture because it's just, uh, uh, they try to freeze time and then get this, this shot done and, and this picture taken to, to preserve something for, for their history, for themselves at that time in life you know
0: yeah that makes total sense do you use uh do i just really we'll wrap up in just a second but do you use uh lightroom yes i do
2: mostly yeah. lightroom and photoshop a little bit but sure the, the main part of the work is done with lightroom yeah i feel most comfortable with lightroom so far I, I, in the beginning i just started off with it and then there i guess are many other programs which are fine as well but I felt myself most comfortable with it. There are a lot of tutorials on YouTube with those Adobe programs, which makes it easier to learn. stuff Because I haven't never learned anything in a class about this stuff. It's all about YouTube, you know. And then me, myself, I see myself often that if I don't know how to do it, I just try and figure that out and keep on going till I get it to where I'm happy with the result, you know.
0: Sure, that makes total sense. Awesome, dude. Well, listen, I really, really, really appreciate you spending some time with me today on Sunday to talk about, you know, your photography. And it's just fascinating to me that, um, you know, that, 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 that just the stuff that you shoot. I mean, it's not every day that you, I, again, don't even know how I came across it other than I must have been looking at somebody with tattoos. Do you have tattoos, by the way?
2: I have a few, but not as many as those tattoo girls. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, most people don't have as many as the girls that you shoot. So, um, well, yeah, again, Rita, thank you, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Give me one second here. If you
1: took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on Successful Life podcast. Dot com. This is the Successful Life.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey